this is Dawn Schuler, certified trainer and business consultant at the Schuler Group with the People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. Is it better to be right and lose or wrong and win? The first time this concept came up for me was back in 2003 during Hurricane Isabel. Here in Maryland, it hit pretty hard, and we lost power for about three days. Since it was September, and the weather wasn't too hot, too cold, just (laughs) windy, we lost power, but we could stay in our house. Not that big of a deal. So, entertained a four-year-old and a six-year-old, no TV, no internet, no computer games, by playing old-fashioned board games. So we teach the four-year-old how to play checkers. She was a smart four-year-old. She's probably about four and a half now that I think about the timing. So smart four and a half-year-old playing checkers, and she misunderstands the rules. And so she tries to, to move, and her father says, you can't move there. That's, that's, not, that's not correct. That's not right. And he says, but if you if you didn't move there and you move this other piece, you'd actually win. And she was so mad. (laughs) She was very angry. And he's like, no, you're, you could win. She says, I don't care. I, I, I'm I'm wrong and I don't like it. (laughs) And so that's where we came up with the whole Anastasia would rather be right and lose rather than wrong and win. And it's really interesting how this shows up. Another example is we were driving and came to a stoplight, making a left turn, and there was a woman in front of us, and she was not pulled all the way up to the line. She was probably two car lengths at least back, first person in line at the red light to turn left, and we waited a cycle. Cars started piling up behind us waited a second cycle, and I realized she wasn't far enough up to trigger the sensor. So I got out of my car, walked up, politely knocked on her window, and she sa- and I said, I think you need to pull up because you're not tripping the sensor. And she said, there are plenty of people behind me to trip the sensor. And she rolls up her window. Okay. All right. I don't know what else I can do. Because I'm trapped because there's these cars and I can't pull out of the left turn lane to get into the the straight lanes of traffic. So yet another cycle where there we get no green left arrow. And so instead of pulling up and figuring out, okay, yeah, I was wrong. Let me pull up. She waits for traffic to clear, pulls out of the left turn lane over three lanes to turn right down the perpendicular street, does a U-turn so that she can then go in the direction if she had turned left. So she would rather make somewhat of a dangerous move, turn right, have to do a U-turn, wait at that light, and then be able to continue straight. That it was more desirable for her to go through the convoluted effort in order to not admit that she was wrong. So she would rather be wrong 
than admit that she was right and make it easier for herself. Blows my mind. Now, those were personal examples, but this does show up in business. Years and years and years ago, when I closed my business management practice, I was still doing some marketing consulting for some of my old clients. I was writing these series of newsletters and continued the story. Had Bob and Sally, and they were managers and leaders in this company. And so every newsletter, there would be some scenario and some story. So I created that for my client. She'd send me bullet points. I'd create the story around the concepts in her bullet points. Well, I had an awful computer crash where I lost files. And I couldn't find three or four of the articles I'd written in the adventures of Bob and Sally. And so I emailed my client and I said, can you please send these to me? Because I need to remember what we've already covered so I don't duplicate anything. And her assistant said, no, I can't send those to you. We have a policy that we don't send proprietary information to anyone outside the company. Okay, well, I get that it's proprietary, even though I wrote it. I understood it was her copywritten material. I I didn't have a problem with that. And yes, even though I'm no longer managing her business and I'm a subcontractor, I'm outside the company. But dude, I can't write your articles without knowing what I've already written. And she just would not budge. And would not have a conversation with me. It was, it was an odd situation. And so when there was no budging and not even a conversation to be able to understand why I needed these, I just said, I have to end the business relationship. And so she lost because the series that was doing very well, I couldn't continue it. Maybe she brought someone else on. The style would probably be different. And I have no idea. I don't know if she just stopped putting out the newsletter, if she brought someone else on, if she changed the focus of the newsletter. Um, but that was that was certainly not a win-win situation. It was more important for her to stick to this is our policy no matter what and not even having the conversation about why it might be different. And as a result she lost. And before I tell you the next story, let's look at that. I'm a huge believer in policies and procedures. You need systems. Systems save you, save yourself, time, energy, money, if we want to look at it as an acronym. Systems are what continue the machine, so to speak, of the organization. You have things that you do it the same way each time, it becomes more efficient, it becomes faster, then if you automate it, that's even better. So I'm a huge believer in policies and procedures and systems. But there are times when they need to be either adjusted or maybe there's an exception to the rule. I remember in middle school, learning about the U.S. government and the Constitution, 
And the, the, the concept we learned was there's a loose interpretation of the Constitution versus, a, let's say, tight. I don't remember if that was the word used. Tight means if it does not say you can do it in the Constitution, then you cannot do it. The loose interpretation is if it doesn't say I can't do it, then I can do it. And I apply that same idea to policies and procedures. Let's have a somewhat loose interpretation. These policies and procedures work very well. And there might be a situation in which they need to be either set aside or tweaked or meandered around. You set a precedent, then we bring the systems back in. You set a precedent of, in these cases, we may have to have an exception to this particular procedure or this policy. That is because the organization is a living organism. And if you have something so restrictive that it can't be flexible, just like the buildings that are in earthquake zones, they're actually built to move and flow with the movement of the earth. It's when they're rigid and stiff that that's when they break. Same applies to organizations. Be flexible. All right. The last example I want to share with you comes from my husband and partner consultant, Mark. And he had a friend named Sylvia. And way back when you could first get domain names, she snatched up sylvia.com. Well, during that time, there was a psychic named Sylvia Brown who got a lot of media publicity. So she was on talk shows, radio shows, TV shows, did a lot of media appearances. So she didn't have sylvia.com because Mark's friend Sylvia had that URL. But the production assistants neglected to tell Sylvia Brown that their URL was sylvia.net. So on some big celebrity appearance, she says, oh, and if you want to be in touch with me, go to sylvia.com. Well, guess what? It went to Mark's friend's uh, URL instead. And the bandwidth was enormous, and she had to pay for this exploding traffic to her URL. And so she reached out to the Sylvia Brown team and said, hey, <laughs> you accidentally sent them to my site, and you know I'm happy to actually sell you the domain if you just pay the $60 in bandwidth overage I have for the month. And they said no. And they said, and because Sylvia Brown is more famous than you, she really should have the URL. So we're going to sue you to, to get it from you. And she said, good luck with that. <laughs> and they ended up not pursuing it and they gave up. But there's another example. Just pay the 60 bucks, you get the domain name, and now you've got sylvia.com. But instead, it was more important for the litigation team to be right. No, for whatever reason, we believe we are deserving, or Sylvia Brown, our client, is deserving of this URL. You will give it to her and you will do it the way we want. 
Um, Mark's friend Sylvia wouldn't play that way, and so they lost out after what could have been a really easy solution. Let me ask you again. Is it better to be right and lose? And lose could mean lose the checkers game. It could mean do it the hard way. It could mean lose months of work. Or is it better to be wrong and win? And sometimes that wrong and win is you saying, ah, yeah, I was wrong. I made a mistake. The chick at the light, all she had to do was move her car up, you know, 10 feet. Would have made the lights turn and uh, boom, there you go. Fascinating, isn't it? So is it better to be right and lose or wrong and win? If you've enjoyed today's episode, I'd love a rating and review over on the King of Podcast Directories, Apple Podcasts. I actually even have a quick video on our website at www.theshulergroupllc.com that shows you easily how to do that. And I would be greatly appreciative. So, may you admit when you're wrong, may you win, and may you thrive.